2: Good morning and welcome to Sunday Take for July 30th, 2023. I'm your host, Floyd Solson. Well, things just keep getting messier. It's supposed to be a quiet summer with city elections in the fall. But this week, we got some new political dynamics here in Minnesota. And we will start with those on the national front. Governor Tim Walz makes a trip Friday to Iowa to speak as the DFL or Democratic national spokesperson against Republican candidates for president. This is interesting for a couple of reasons. One is that Walls has decided that he'll accept the mantle of the basher in chief of Republicans running for president while governor of Minnesota. Of course, location is a factor and Walls being close to Iowa made it convenient and easy but while he spent time in California this week with nothing on his official schedule, he spent time in California a couple of weeks ago and then back out to chair a big meeting of the National Governors Association and some of the national governors groups. And his increased national media profile, it begs the question, is his team hoping to position him for higher profile role in next year's national election. And what does that mean for him? And what does it mean for Minnesota? Another Minnesota DFLer, Representative Dean Phillips in a Friday article is meeting with Democratic donors in New York about the concept of being an alternative to Joe Biden in 2024. So you have Walls and Phillips raising their national profile. Meanwhile, the senior statesman of the Democratic Party in Minnesota, Senator Amy Klobuchar, still gets to pick whether or not Walls or Phillips would be the Minnesota voice or choice. So the spectrum in the DFL on a national stage remains interesting. This week is coming up is Farm Fest, and that begs a question, about the drought and more that we'll answer next week on Sunday. Take, but first, the sustainable minute from Minnesota Corn. Look, this week I'm headed down to Redwood Falls. We're going to talk about the Farm Bill, we're going to have a Fluence Forum. And one of the most valuable exercises of summer happens, and that is dozens and dozens of conversations with Minnesotans about the greater Minnesota economy. Minnesota Corn growers care deeply about Minnesota's economy. They also care deeply about Minnesota's environment, whether it's cleaner air or healthier soil. It's Minnesota corn that's investing week by week, day by day, year by year, in ensuring that the land is healthy, that the air is cleaner. And it's Minnesota corn growers who have the volatility of the weather, the volatility of moisture and drought this year. And so imagine waking up every day hoping for rain, but knowing that you still have to feed your family, you still have to produce a product, you still have to find a way forward for your farm. Because if you don't find a way forward for the farm, it's not a sustainable business. And so that's why Minnesota corn growers and their members continue to invest in sustainable practices, sustainable research, and the best for Minnesotans when it comes to Minnesota agriculture. Learn more at mncorn.org. And if you're at FarmFest, come and say hi. I'll be at the Minnesota Corn Growers booth. When we come back, could we have a special session on marijuana? It's probably a long shot, but Representative Peggy Scott makes her case on Sunday. Take on News Talk 830 WCCO. First guest this week on Sunday Take is Representative Peggy Scott. And as I mentioned in the open, next week, uh, several new laws go into effect. But the one that's been covered the most is the legalization of marijuana in Minnesota. On Friday, she and several colleagues penned a letter to Governor Walls, Speaker Hortman, Leader Dietzik, about the idea that maybe there are urgent Changes needed to Minnesota's new legalization law, and what are they and why? Representative Scott, thanks for joining me.
3: Thank you for having me, Willis.
2: So, um, let's just start with kind of set the stage for obviously the discussion and the debate that happened during session around the legalization. There was obviously this pretty big bill. There were concerns raised during session, some of those were addressed, but even to date, for instance, you know, the the jurisdiction of municipalities to have some sort of regulatory say in legalization is still kind of unclear to municipalities. That's gotten a little attention this past week. What are you and your colleagues hearing? What are you talking about and why send the letter now?
3: Um, well, I have heard from our local um, units of government. Um, they are confused in many ways about just what they can and cannot do as far as enforcement. Um, and so many of them are, you know, they're passing ordinances prohibiting, you know, public smoking of marijuana, but a lot of them just are not sure what they can and cannot do. Um, and so I think there needs to be further clarification on that. And I think we need to um, give, our municipalities a little bit more authority when it comes to, um, you know, the laws surrounding the legalization of marijuana and the decriminalization of it. Um, I've also also heard from law enforcement that they're not. Hundred percent sure what to do either, and um, I think that kind of led into, you know, the reading of this bill, and we we talked about it during session. Um, Republicans raised the fact that this is an unbalanced bill; um, it goes too far, and one of the major concerns that I have, and the reason I'm voicing it now is because look, we're we're a few days out from full legalization, but one of the concerns I have is the effect of marijuana use on the brain of an underage child, underage kid. And this bill ostensibly legalizes weed for kids, and the Democrats did it intentionally. Um, A petty misdemeanor for possession is, I don't even know if it equates to a slap on the wrist. It certainly doesn't act as a deterrent. And so I I think that we um, we need to come in and rein in um the laws particularly as it applies to minor consumption and we and and quite frankly if you look if you look further into this bill um you'll see that um there's a gigantic um glaring loophole well maybe even not a loophole but it, it would be a major temptation for folks illegally um, selling marijuana, to use young people to to be the sellers, because they're not going to be held accountable.
2: Interesting um, kind of details as you dig in, you think about a black market that exists, you think about deterrence for youth. Um, you know, the thing that came to mind to me is that, um, and this has, you know, been discussed to some degree, is that, you know, when it comes to liquor, it's always Really hard to change liquor laws in Minnesota, uh, and yet the, it seems easy here. And if you compared the penalties for possessing liquor as a minor versus marijuana, they're totally they're totally different, right? Correct.
3: Yeah. As you dig further into this and compare it to, I think it's Chapter three forty the liquor laws. Yeah. It's vastly different, and I. I just think it's it's wrongheaded consumption of both of those items for underage kids is is particularly harmful. Um, This also doesn't empower parents at all that are trying to keep their kid on the straight and narrow from um, abusing drugs and those sorts of things when there are zero consequences, basically. Um, So lots of concerns uh, on those levels, for sure.
2: There's a certain element within, you know, conservatives and republicans that do favor decriminalization they do favor this libertarian within mm-hmm. the party within the caucus are those discussions there were republicans who voted for this bill just uh, in general how does that discussion happen amongst your republican colleagues
3: uh, i mean i was visiting with um nolan west representative nolan west yesterday he voted for the bill and you know i I presented the the language of the letter to him and he's like the reasons for, for changing this, he hundred percent agrees with. And, um, so I haven't, ta- I think the only other, we might've had a couple of other people vote for it. I haven't talked yep. to them, but I did talk to Nolan yesterday. He's just over here in Blaine from, from me. And, and there certainly is that libertarian streak, um, amongst Republicans and, um, we just think that at the end of the day, that a, a substance like marijuana should not be so easily available to young people.
2: I think I think that makes um, I think that makes a discussion that's probably going to happen in a lot of homes across Minnesota very real over the next you know several weeks and months and, mm-hmm. and years. My guest is Representative Peggy Scott on Friday. She and several colleagues wrote a letter to the governor, uh, to Majority Leader Dietzik, to Speaker Hortman, requesting a special session to address three main points. One is reinstating penalties for possession and consumption of marijuana for those under 21, providing local communities with broader permanent regulatory authority over the sale and possession and consumption of marijuana, and then closing a black market loophole that allows sales to flourish in this period between uh, when possession and consumption are um, decriminalized and the retail market is established. It is interesting how they've, you know, it, to establish a market, to create a new market, a regulated industry in Minnesota, that this bill does acknowledge that that takes time, but it kind of lifts everything in that interim. Um, and one of the you know, things that advocates have said is that you know, we, we're learning from other states that you know, we're trying to get rid of the black market as soon as possible. Your letter cites some data from the CDC and from law enforcement about that. What, what do they feel about kind of the impact on kids and you know, enforcement here as we, um, as we look at this? And let's face it, this is going to be legal in two days here in Minnesota.
3: Um, well, I think there are lessons learned from other states for sure. And, you know, there's a recent article I read this week, um, in New York, they're finding, um, fentanyl laced marijuana. So, so now, you know, people can die from consumption of marijuana. And so I think, you know, I get that each state is a laboratory in and of itself, um, I think we need to learn from other states. It, I don't know a state that is claiming that the black market has done anything but thrive um, uh, with the legalization. I think particularly in Minnesota, because of the the regulatory environment that they've created around this, I think it's going to be, one, I think it's going to be super difficult for anybody to make money um, yeah. it, legally. And so that's going to force you know, about you know, people are still going to be able to buy it cheaper on the black market than they are um, under this regulatory scheme that is provided in this in this law.
2: The other thing that strikes me is that if someone is growing at home and for personal use mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. things like that, that if they did decide to sell and distribute, that the enforcement time and energy there is not reduced. That. That it is kind of a, well, we can say that they can't do it, but the idea of trying to track legalized multiple producers versus, you know, whoever it is right now is, it's kind of nonsensical, I guess. that That's my right. word. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, when you were in session, did did anybody have side conversations about this? Or um, would Democrats who were advocates for this even would it would they even engage in conversation
3: about it i think that um i know that representative nolan west was involved in in um sort of the negotiations on the bill with representative stevenson in the house um and it might be a better question for him okay my understanding is they wouldn't take any more than because Nolan is aware of these problems. Now I'm, I'm guessing that he was aware of them during session um, and brought them to the attention um, of the bill's author. I, I, I do remember rumblings of, you know, this is what the advocates for legalization and decriminalization want. So that's what we're going with. And that's why I say, Beloise, it's not balanced Um, it's, it's gone way over to one extreme, um, as a lot of bills did this session.
2: Politically, my take is that the odds of a special session are probably pretty slim, uh, at this point. Um, but there could be a special session either for the drought or for healthcare issues. Um, and usually those, you know, special sessions are kind of pre-negotiated. Uh, Republicans haven't had a lot of seats at the table when it comes to negotiating issues. Is there anything that gives you optimism that perhaps Democrats uh, may understand that, you know, there's some tightening of this bill?
3: I guess my hope would be that they hear from their own constituents um, that they have concerns, um, particularly as as the legalization goes forward and the lack of guardrails for kids and their consumption and possession, I would hope that um, they would see that, yeah, we this is something that we do need to fix. I mean, I've sat through hearings, you know, whether it's vaping, whether it's uh, smoking for young people, you know. I said on those through hearings on both of those issues, trying to tighten that up. So young people can't have access to it, but yet we're going to give them access um, with no consequences, basically to pot something that can really affect their full development, their mental health, et cetera. So I would hope that they feel pressure from the constituents and like, okay, if we do have a special session for the drought, for the, The um, U Fairview issue that will address this as well. Um, I think we we need to do it for the safety of kids. Quite frankly,
2: Representative Peggy Scott, thanks for joining me on Sunday Take. me, police. When we come back, healthcare isn't getting less complicated here in Minnesota. What do we need to do, and will it get done before the next legislative session? I'm Bloy Sulson. This is Sunday Take on News Talk 830 WCCO.
1: How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla Speed Test, Intelligence Data, Fixed Median Download Speeds, USQ3 2023.
2: You know, one of the issues that I think is emerging and has continued to kind of keep coming back is healthcare. This week in healthcare, we had several pieces of news and they follow on other dynamics within healthcare. Take the nurses strike and leverage uh, of the last year, take the leverage that nurses had at the legislature and the impact that was going to have to our hospitals throughout the state and the power and move that Mayo Clinic made suggesting that they would pull healthcare investment dollars. Minnesota is a healthcare state. Many people have said for decades that Minnesota is a leading healthcare state, but I want to highlight five or six things that we have to watch. One is access. I believe that healthcare access will continue to be an issue. Uh Coupled with that is cost. So the second thing to watch is cost, not just cost to uh, consumers and in, in insurance, but uh, how does cost play into procedures, reimbursement rates for those hospitals? Because ultimately it's been cost and access for about 30 years uh, that become political issues or election issues. Uh, and so we have to watch that. Minnesota largely has... Done well um, in those two areas compared to other states. But is that going to change? The news this week about consolidation in two ways. One is the Fairview Sanford merger being called off. That creates some urgency for Fairview to figure out their finances. It also gives the university a little bit of a pause to figure out their future. Then, Essentia. Announcing it's going to move, merge with Marshfield that then trans transcends state boundaries and Minnesota's had this kind of we keep our health care in minnesota and i I believe those will be you know two other big issues so you have access you have cost you have consolidation you have financial dynamics that's leading up to what I think will be a you know a a robust discussion in 2024. Uh, healthcare is one of the sectors we track at Fluence uh, and we consult on. UCARE is a client of ours. We've uh, advised on long-term care issues and things like that. So I want to be transparent that my this isn't a take, it's just something for you to watch. Watch how the healthcare story integrates into the elections next year both at a federal level the presidential race does it break through because it's a personal issue to people and um and people worry about health care voters worry about health care and so having a way in which uh that discussion gets kicked off in the next year both nationally and probably locally in state house races uh, is real Uh, there's not a ton the federal government can do in Minnesota, except for with regards to Social Security and Medicaid. But those are the payers that are causing some of the uh, profitability issues for hospitals. Meanwhile, some of the you know pieces of the Obamacare or Affordable Care Act, uh, you know, need to probably be tweaked or. You know, health equity, finding ways to serve other constituencies better uh, is really important. It's also finally the thing to watch, the sixth thing to watch in healthcare is access and affordability by location. Greater Minnesota versus the metro area, urban area versus the suburbs, specialty clinics versus general healthcare. It's really a mosaic, a puzzle. And the pieces probably have to be taken apart, reshuffled to create a new picture. And I think that's probably the thing to watch in healthcare. When we come back this week's take and Farm Fest is next week, where will I be and where can you hear the latest on Greater Minnesota Issues? Blois Olson on Sunday Take. We'll be right back. This week's take might feel like it's a smorgasbord, or kind of just a bunch of thoughts rambled together. And so, as I thought about it, I turned to the thesaurus, because so much of today's political discussion is nonsensical. The synonyms for that are illogical, unmeaning irrational, foolish. There's some other words, but I think they're a little too harsh. Let's just start with what I believe is an emerging issue of consideration as we enter 2024, and that is the age and competency of our leaders. We already talked about Dean Phillips' name being floated as a possible challenger to President Biden. I don't think that's going to happen, but Remember, Representative Phillips was one of the first people to say that he didn't think Biden should run as a Democrat. He was roundly critiqued. When his name was floated on Friday, this firing squad turned circular. The Biden supporters, the loyalists to the Democratic Party, their biggest fear is that a third party run could cost them the White House and all of these such important issues? But maybe it's not about just holding on to power, which Biden, McConnell, Feinstein, Feinstein want to do. Maybe it's the grasping of power that is turning off everyday folks who are tuned out of politics. This weekend in Iowa, you have a presidential discussion and debate at their Lincoln dinner. And DeSantis and Trump and Pence, and they're all going to be there. And on the Republican side, the circular firing squad is Trump supporters aiming at anyone who would challenge Trump. Meanwhile, there's Republicans who also think there needs to be an alternative that's not in the field yet, or a third party candidate like the no labels people talk about with Joe Manchin. And again, it's all about the power, the control. A lineup of the Senate competitive races doesn't look good for Democrats, but neither did. The midterms last time, and Democrats got the gift of Roe versus Wade. Last week, Scott Jensen tried to make himself politically relevant again and then promptly looked like the old Scott Jensen. And so the take this week is until the activists and those who control the power give up on the old model or the dynamics of the last decade, we won't have a refreshing new leader that we can follow. I think back to different times in observing politics, whether it was the qualities of George W. Bush, who was just more authentic than Al Gore or... Barack Obama, who is just more inspiring than John McCain or Mitt Romney. So I say this only to say that the more I observe, the closer we get to 2024, that my take is we're going to need something more fresh, something more new, something that gives us fresh air fresh ideas, fresh candidates, because otherwise 2024 is going to be stale. And we all know when you choose something stale or you taste something stale, you don't want more of it. And if general election voters don't want either party next year, turnout will be low. Discussions will be dumb. And the electorate will be further turned off. And so I don't know what it looks like. I can't predict what it should be or who it should be or what it should sound like. But like something fresh out of your summer garden, you know when you taste it. Or like 15 degrees cooler after 90 degree humidity, you know it when you smell it. And until we have fresh ideas, fresh leaders, fresh Elections. The day old shelf, the week old shelf, isn't going to cut it. It could be discounted, but it's still not going to taste as good as something new and fresh. And that's what democracy needs, both in Minnesota and nationally. So this weekend, Get some fresh air. Enjoy your cup of coffee this morning on Sunday take and know that I'll be at Farm Fest this week. Come and say hi if you're there. And let's face it, sometimes even the fresh air at Farm Fest or in greater Minnesota doesn't smell that fresh. But at the end of the day, there's more conversations with people less caught up in politics and more connected to their local community, their family, than anyone else and that's the perspective of real minnesotans everyday minnesotans who don't obsess about these political battles or these candidates or staying in power have a great sunday we'll be back next sunday with a farm bill edition of sunday take with special guests we'll go deep into the farm bill what it means not just for minnesota's rural economy what does it mean for all of America, and what is Minnesota's leverage with so much riding on the farm bill and so many seats at the table. I'll be with Vanita, 620 every day. I'll have live reports Wednesday from Farm Fest, and you should subscribe to any of our newsletters at fluence-newsletters.com. Until next week, that's Sunday Take, and I'm your host, Floyd Wilson. Have a good one.